0: as we begin this new sermon series called Christ in the Carols. I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to invite you to think of what your favorite Christmas song is. Sometimes people, when I ask them to identify a favorite, they go, there's so many I can't even choose. That's not a good answer. That's a cop-out. You have to decide today what's your favorite Christmas song and now, please turn to somebody near you and say, in fact, demand them to tell you, what is your favorite Christmas song? Go. That's a okay, on the count of three, everybody shout out your favorite Christmas song. One, two, three. Joy to the world. I'm sorry, I'm not taking requests at this time, but that's a good one, too. Somebody online said, Jingle Bell Rock is their favorite Christmas song. Uh, Jan just texted me, Joy to the World. That's a good one, too. Uh, if I get some more, I'll I'll shout them out for you guys. But I wanted to talk a little bit at the front about Christmas music, because I personally love Christmas music. I always have. We played Christmas music in our house throughout the month of December, and it was a family tradition. I like the Christmas hymns. I like the popular Christmas songs. I like the kids' Christmas songs. I will even tolerate Christmas country renditions of Christmas songs during the month of December. That's how much I like Christmas music. I, I can tell I just alienated a lot of people by saying that. That's amen. Like, Hey, Amen to you as well, brother. Christmas music is fantastic, but I have noticed that a lot of Christmas songs that we sing are more about the trappings of Christmas than about Christmas itself, or the, the true meaning of Christmas, actually. Many of our beloved Christmas songs don't actually have anything to do with Jesus, who's the whole reason that we have Christmas in the first place. Songs like, uh, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, and It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, and the the, the Christmas song, that one that we love to sing, Just Nuts Roasting on what? No, but you got to sing it. "Chestnuts Nuts Roasting on a... Fantastic! You make Nat King Cole proud. No, no, don't keep going. That's plenty. That's fine. <laughs> These are fun songs, but again, they don't say anything about Jesus. They're just about how great it is that we have some annual celebration of something. There are songs that we sing that are about the lights, about the tree, about the presents, the snow, the festivities, almost everything about Christmas but the savior of the world. In fact, I've noticed that there's even some Christmas songs that we sing that not only don't say anything about Jesus, but they don't even mention Christmas. Pay attention as you hear some of these songs this season. Walking in a winter wonderland. You're like, "Eh, don't they they get around to talking about Christmas? They do not. Let it snow. Christmas is not mentioned. And this one will blow your mind. The most popular Christmas song ever is, is what? No. Okay, it wasn't so obvious. Jingle Bells. The song Jingle Bells does not mention Christmas at all. You can run through the lyrics real quick in your head. Dushing through no, no. It doesn't mention Christmas. These songs we could sing in February. They're winter songs. They're celebration songs, but again, there's no Jesus and not even Christmas to be had. And again, I love these songs. I'm not hating on any of this music. But it just seems strange to me how many so-called Christmas songs miss the main point entirely. But the good news is, mixed in with some of these favorite winter songs and Christmas songs, we have songs that do tell the story of the birth of Jesus, the coming of God into our world. And there's some songs that we sing that are just so densely uh, rich with theology that it's almost like you're reading scripture itself. That's what we're going to be focusing in on for the month of December. Each Sunday, we're going to pick one particular song. And we're going to say, this song tells the story, and not just the story of the coming of Jesus, but the meaning behind it, the significance, why that mattered then and why it matters now. And so this morning, the song that I've chosen that we're going to zero in on is the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up here and prepare to lead us in the whole song, all four verses all the way through. And while they're doing that, I'm just going to give you a little bit of background about this song. This song was uh, written by an Episcopal priest an Episcopal priest named Phillips Brooks in 1865. He had an experience where he rode on horseback from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem because he wanted to see the place where Jesus was born. So he made this ride on Christmas Eve and then he went back home and he wrote this as a poem. The lyrics to the song he wrote as a poem. And then a couple years later, his church was doing something for Sunday school during the month of December. And he went to his organist, a guy named Louis Redner, and he said, take this poem and set it to music. And what came out was the song that we're going to sing together now. This is O Little Town of Bethlehem. (laughs) you <laughs> the Okay, yep. a okay. oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the lie. Bethlehem is a town that's about five miles south of Jerusalem, and indeed it is a little town. The Hebrew word, uh, the name Bethlehem is Hebrew, Beit Lechem, which literally means the house of bread. When you consider that Jesus describes himself as the bread of life, Jesus himself is in fact the the Passover matzah that is broken on our behalf. It kind of gives his birthplace a little bit more significance there. And also the prophet Micah prophesied that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, as we heard from the Matthew reading earlier. Micah 5 Verse 2 says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Lyrics to the song go on to say, Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Basically, there's nothing going on in Bethlehem. It seems like just another ordinary night, ordinary place, But as the song will let us know, on this particular night, that's not true. It says, Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The everlasting light. John 1, 8, and 9 all tell us that Jesus is the light of the world. The everlasting light. The light that doesn't burn out like one of those pesky light bulbs on that old string of Christmas lights that you pulled out of your attic last weekend. Uh, He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He is God in the flesh. And it turns out that Jesus was so much more than what Israel had expected. They were waiting for a Messiah. They were waiting for the next king who would deliver them from the slavery that they'd been in for the past generations. And they thought, yeah, this king is going to be special. The prophecies say so. So we're hoping he'll be the best king we've had yet. But they still had in mind a king with a throne and a sword and an army, and a crown, and yeah, like let's fight our way out of this. They didn't expect that it would be God himself. They got the God of the universe in human flesh, who would not just save Israel, but who would rescue the entire world from sin. More on that in just a minute. God's people's hopes and fears of all the years are expressed well in the Advent hymn that we sang just before communion. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appears. I'm telling you, these songs are full of Scripture, full of good theology. Verse 2, in a little town of Bethlehem. For Christ is born of Mary. And Mary is kind of like the quiet little town of Bethlehem. She is unassuming. She is unfamous. She is kind of a nobody. She's not special, or so it seems. And gathered all above, while mortals sleep, the angels keep their watch of wondering love. So this ordinary insignificant someone, Mary, happens to have been chosen by God to bring Jesus into the world. What I love about the first part of this song is how much it draws our attention to how much is actually going on in Bethlehem the night that Jesus is born, right under the noses of everybody. Everybody in Bethlehem is sleeping while this happens. They have no idea the significance and the magnitude, this amazing huge thing that's happening. They're sleeping right through it. I read an article not too long ago. It was about the human body and about all the things that your body does when you go to sleep. It seems like nothing to us because we lay our head on our pillow and go, cool, end of the day, done. But that's when your body gets up and goes to work. It starts repairing organ tissue, replenishing cells. Your brain goes to work storing long-term memories and sorting out all of the different information that it's been receiving throughout the day. So you wake up after eight hours of sleep, I no, six hours of sleep, and you go, oh, hey, what did I miss? And if your body could answer it, it would say, you missed a lot. <laughs> We've been working all night. There's all kinds of things that have been happening while you've been sleeping. Well, in the same way, the world wakes up from its slumber and says, ah, oh, what did I miss overnight, Bethlehem? And the answer is, a lot. You missed a lot And the morning stars declare this. The angels declare this. The whole universe says, while you were sleeping all these hours, maybe even all these years, God returned to earth. God became local. The Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, is right here with us. And that's something worth celebrating. And indeed, as the song tells us, the whole creation celebrates this. O morning stars together, proclaim thy holy birth. And praises sing to God the King and peace to men on earth. Isaiah chapter 9 says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Christmas, in my experience, is a pretty loud, noisy day. Christmas morning is very exciting, except sometimes I'm sleeping and I'm okay with sleeping. I could sleep for maybe a couple more hours when the door bursts open and kids come in and they jump on your bed and they say, it's Christmas, it's Christmas, hey, wake up. You're okay, you gotta make the poppy first, you go downstairs. They're excited about their presents, they pick them up, they're rattling boxes and shaking and then they start tearing, wrapping paper and if they got toys, You put batteries in them and then they make noise all day and it's like, wow, this is a pretty noisy day. The gifts that we give at Christmas time, it can be a very noisy experience. But the gift that God gives in Jesus comes silently. How silently, how silently this wondrous gift is given. Maybe it wasn't all the way silent. My personal experience witnessing childbirth tells me that there probably was some groaning and some noise making on Mary's part, and uh, baby Jesus maybe said a thing or two that night. But this was not something that happened with fanfare or spotlights or flashing arrows saying, Hey, right here, something big going on. You should wake up and check this out. That didn't happen. You might be thinking, Wait a minute, what about the shepherds out in the field? There was an announcement. And Phil's going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But it was a, it was kind of a quiet thing that just sort of happened. The world changed literally overnight. And as I think about the way God does things and the way I would do things, I go, you know, that's not what I would have done. I probably would have gotten a bigger sign, a bigger light, a bigger arrow saying, like, you guys need to know about this. The best gift the world has ever or will ever see is happening right now. That's not how God did it. When it happened, it barely moved the needle at all. It's a good reminder for us about the ways that we are inclined to do things sometimes versus the way that God chooses to do things sometimes. God surprises us. Verse 3, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. And so God imparts to human hearts the blessing of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. It's quiet. It's silent. It's unassuming. You can almost miss it if you don't know what you're looking for. It reminds me of another time in Scripture where God comes near to his people. The prophet Elijah was at a point in his prophesying on behalf of God where he was feeling burnt out. People were after him for the things that he was saying, and he's, he's running. He's fleeing, and he's hiding, and he says, God, I don't know what you want me to do. Can we have a meeting? Can we can we get together? God's like, yeah, let's, let's meet together. In 1 Kings 19, we hear this. The Lord said, yeah, Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind Tore through the mountain, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But you know what? The Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and then went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Sometimes we look for God in the wind, in the storm, in the fire, or the earthquake. And God is often found in the gentle whisper. God is often found in the ordinary, in the manger, in the little town of Bethlehem. So, that's the first three verses of our song. And then something happens in the fourth verse. The setting of the song changes pretty abruptly. I don't know if you noticed this, but the first verses. We're in Bethlehem. We're talking about what's going on. Jesus is coming down. You know, He's going to deliver the world from his sin. He's the everlasting light. And then the song shifts several generations. It moves forward in time to today. And now it's us and we are singing. We're not just like, yeah, Jesus, you came down. That's good. We're saying, Jesus, we want you to come down to us now. And we sing a prayer. And the prayer goes like this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. We say, Jesus, just as you descended from heaven to Bethlehem, we want you to come near to us in our lives today. We want you to come right now. We need you in our lives just the way that the world needed you then. We say, Lord, here's what we want you to do. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. This is the second time the song mentions sin. It's an acknowledgment that the world continues to struggle with darkness that keeps us from the everlasting light of the Lord. When you think back on the, the Gospels, the account of the life of Jesus and the ministry that he did, we remember that Jesus did a lot of driving out demons. He was driving out evil spirits for people who were afflicted by them. At Jesus' word, just, all he had to say was, like, Get out! That's enough! No more! The demons would scatter. They would flee demonstrating the power that Jesus had and that Jesus has today, showing that he truly is the Prince of Peace and the bringer of comfort and rest to the lives of those who are hurting and oppressed. Again, that was a long time ago. We read about this in Scripture, but we believe that the same power that Jesus wielded then is available to us today. It is just as powerful. And so we pray to Jesus, cast out our sin enter into us, and be born in us today. We hear the heavenly angels, the great glad tidings tell. Not only did the shepherds hear the angels announcing the good news of the birth of the Savior, but we too hear and receive this good news from the messengers of God. And the message, once again, is this. God is local. The Messiah, who was coming, well, he has come. He is here. He has arrived. And our response to this is good. That's good news. That's awesome. We want God to be near to us. And we want to be near to him. And so the last line of the song declares what we should be declaring every day of our lives. Oh, come to us. Abide with us. Our Lord, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God God with us. Here's another word we can define that we talked about a couple Christmases ago. Maranatha. Everybody say Maranatha. Maranatha. It means, "Come, Lord Jesus, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel." This is actually this last sentiment of the song. It's appropriate that it's the last line of the song because it's the same sentiment that's expressed the very last line of the Bible. If you take out a Bible and you turn to the very last page of the very last chapter of the very last book, here is what you get: Revelation 22. He who testifies to these things—that's Jesus—says, "Yes." I am coming soon. And our response to that is, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And then it ends, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Last year was a good Christmas for the Parnell family. I think, uh, without bragging too much, I think I got Lisa the best Christmas present that a husband can get for a wife. And that was a book. I got her a book. True story, right? You remember the book I got you? This was not just like a John Grisham novel or something. This was a book, it was more like a booklet, like a brochure that I made for her that had information about a trip that I was inviting her to come on. I found this bed and breakfast called the Black Walnut Inn. And it was great. Few, like just two or three days after Christmas, I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go up to the Black Walnut Inn. We're going to stay. They got a jacuzzi. It's in wine country. So we're going to have this upstairs room with a balcony and all these views of the vineyards and the, the mountains, this beautiful horizon. And it has an in-house chef and he cooks these wonderful breakfasts that are critically acclaimed and there's all these pictures in the book that I made for her. We're gonna, this is where we're going to stand. This is what we're going to see. This is what we're going to eat. Doesn't that sound good? And the best part of all, Lisa, no kids. The kids are not invited. We're dumping them at my sister's house and we're going to go have a grown-up's getaway. I gave this to her as a gift and I said, does this sound like something that you want to do? I'm inviting you, but do you want to come? And what was Lisa's response? Yes. Absolutely! Oh my goodness, let's go now! Let's not wait till let's not wait till our reservation. Man, your sister's available. She was so excited about that. I think in the same way, that's what we get in the book of Revelation. We get this picture that's drawn for us. This vision of what God wants to do, how he's going to restore his creation. I'm gonna do all these amazing things. Just like I came near to Mary and Joseph, just like I came near to Elijah, just like John the Revelator got a glimpse of what I had in mind, I'm inviting you to come and be a part of this new creation. Become the best version of yourself. You are going to be coming to be with me in a place where there's no tears, where there's no war, where there's no violence, where there's no headlines that talk about people shooting each other. Bid thou our sad division cease. We sang, you know, come Emmanuel, bid thou our sad division cease. I was like, there's going to be a place where there's no more of that. That's, you're not going to focus on who's in and who's out, who's over there, who's over here, who's my people and who's their people. It's just going to be, it's going to be all people. And I'm inviting you to this. I want you to be a part of this kingdom that is coming and the invitation is there. And my hope is that our response is the same as Lisa's response about going to the Black Walnut. Yes yes, I want to go there, Lord. I want to be involved in this kingdom that you are bringing. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Maranatha, and keep coming. This time of year, we turn and we say, all of that was made possible because the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, our Lord and our Savior. And you don't get any of that in songs like Jingle Bells or I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Although, again, those are great songs. I'm happy to hear them. I'm happy to sing them. But I think the song, A Little Town of Bethlehem, really gets it right. It has a lot to say to us about who we are as followers of Jesus and about just how much God loves us. And so right now, I want to invite the praise team to come back up here, take their places, and get ready to sing, uh, lead us in singing this song together one more time. And my hope with this song and uh, as we continue on In the month of December, as we zoom in on popular songs and we unpack some of the theology in there, as we take the lyrics and we turn to scriptures and see which scriptures they're illuminating and that they're teaching us, I pray that as we hear these songs and as we sing these songs, it will give us a deeper understanding of what they are and what they're for and how we can communicate the gospel this time of year to others. Hope it'll do good things for us. But just also be this amazing reminder for us about where God wants to take us and what we are invited into through Jesus Christ. So please stand and let's sing this song one more time. Oh, little town.
1: The silent stars go by Yet in thy our streets shine The everlasting light The hopes and fears of all the years Are met in thee tonight For Christ and gathered all above, while mortals sleep the angels keep, the So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear he may hear his coming, but in this world of sin their meek souls will receive him still. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. We hear the heavenly angels, the great. Oh. Us, abide with us, Lord Lord Be seated